Hey, Sam. Hey, Tracy. What do you call an inmate who takes their own mugshot? What? A selfie. <laughs> oh my goodness. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad I made that you was laugh. such a horrible joke. I know. I know. I'm like, I need to like start these, start these podcasts with like something funny or something to kind of loosen up the whatever. And I'm like, there's no funny jokes. <laughs> I mean, it would be kind of alarming if there was really funny jokes about like prisoner form, mental health, or murder. But you know, if you, you can't know. if you can't laugh about it, you'll cry about it though. So you yeah. gotta glass half full. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is the suspended sentence. Tracy remembered who she was today. Good job. I did. You know, well, it's hard. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today? So today we will be talking about the murders of Abby Williams and Liberty German, which is a case that is most recognized as the Delphi murders. Oh, gotcha. Okay. This one's, this one's a good one. I mean, I wouldn't refer to it as, well, I mean, it's a, it's a decent case. (laughs) Tell me. So we're going to just jump right in. Like I said, we are covering Abby Williams and Liberty um, German, who went by Libby. Okay. So, I have heard a ton of, I mean, not a ton, I've heard a few podcasts and a few, like, YouTube documentaries about this case, but it's not really, quote-unquote, like, a popular case, which okay. is, like, to me, I don't know. That's kind of why I wanted to cover it, because I feel like it's important. Okay. case. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, every case is important. Yeah. Because every person, there isn't one person that's more important than another person. Exactly. So, Abby was 13 years old and Libby was 14. Oh, I hate it already. I know. And they disappeared February 13th, 2017. Abby was born June 23rd, 2003 in Michigan and Libby was born December 27th in 2002 in Indiana. They both now are living in um, Delphi, Indiana, where they played volleyball together and had become great friends. It was a snow day on February 13th, and so they had a sleepover the Sunday before that Monday because they knew it was going to be a snow day, and so they were like, we can have a sleepover over at Libby's. They slept in late that Monday morning, and Libby, um, so Libby's house, her primary care for her was her grandparents, but it sounds like, and I couldn't really find anything about why they were the primary care why they were her guardians yeah okay because the dad also lived in the house but their grandparents had primary okay custody so that morning the like i said the girls slept in late they got up and the father derek libby's father derek made the girls pancakes around 10 a.m her grandma becky was home with the girls after libby's dad went to work and told them that if they helped her with some like filing paperwork and cleaning up her office that she would give them money and take them shopping that afternoon nice so, they help out Grandma. They're like, heck yeah, like, Grandma's going to give us money, go shopping. But around 1 p.m., the girls asked if they could go to the Monon High Bridge Trail, which is just a park that's just pretty close to their house. It has little trails and a couple different bridges, and the girls wanted to go out there and take pictures. On a snow day. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to do typical 13, Pre-teen, 14 yeah, girl yeah. stuff, right? Um, Becky said that that would be fine, but they, she couldn't give them a ride at that time, so Libby asked her big sister, Kelsey, to give them a ride to the to the trail. About 1.30, Kel, um, Kelsey 
Libby's big sister takes the girls to the park where they are dropped off about 1.38. So we're eight minute drive from Libby's house. Around that time, Libby called her dad and asked if he could pick her up, pick them up on his home, way home from work. He got off about 3.30 and said that he would give them a call when he was leaving work so that they could just meet him at like the trailhead. Okay. Okay. So it's already planned out. So they've got hour and two hours until dad comes to get them. They began walking the trail and made it to the bridge that they wanted to see and take pictures on. And Libby had been um, updating her Snapchat story, been posting pictures of the bridge and like of the girls. Around 2.05, one of the photos that was posted was of the bridge and another photo was of Abby on the bridge. Now there is a video on Libby's phone that is of the lead suspect in this case, but we'll talk about that a little bit more because it wasn't on her Snapchat, it was on her camera roll. But Libby's dad arrives to pick up the girls and according to phone records, Derek called Libby about 3.11 and Libby didn't pick up. He arrived to the parking area, called again, and she didn't answer. He said this was not like her and that she was always very good about answering her phone. So he was like, that's weird and we already had plans. He, she knew I was going to be calling around now. Like, I get that because if my kids don't answer the phone when I call them, whew, big trouble. No, it, it really makes me worried because not answering the phone when I call is not an option. I pay for that phone. You have it so that I can get a hold of you if you don't answer. And so my kids always answer. So if they don't, yeah, I, I, and I, yeah, I worry. Yeah, so he's like, this is not like her. So he just goes ahead and gets out of the car and starts walking. He's like, well, maybe. I'll find him. Yeah, yeah. maybe she, maybe her phone died, something. Like, I'm just going to go find the girls. So he starts walking and got to a spot in the trail where it splits into two separate trails, so it kind of wise. Yeah. And there's a man there. Derek asks him if he's seen two young girls. The man said that he hadn't seen them on trail A, but on trail B, he had seen some girls on the bridge. And as we know from her Snapchat story, they were on the bridge. So we learn later that, because this is something that I was kind of worried about when I first researched this, this is not the man that we, the suspect that we see in the video, because I was like, oh, that'd be creepy if the dad had talked to him and it's not it's not so Derek walks to the trail um gets to the bridge and then calls his mom Becky I don't know why you explained that cliffhanger there because that's what my mind went that would have been good to carry me through the whole episode but (laughs) you're ruining it you're spoiling it well so Derek calls his mom Becky she called um and asks her to call the girls and see if maybe they can get a hold of them calls Abby and Libby's phone so they call like repeatedly still to get no response from the girls. So Derek's still out there searching. The park isn't like huge. I was looking at some maps of it. It's kind of just like a couple little walking trails with some bridges and it makes like a big like loop. Is it treed? It is. So there's heavily treed. It's wooded. Yeah. Okay. So, but like the actual trails aren't massive. It's not like a massive area. So the family is obviously very worried at this point and Derek is like, I hasn't found him. So he returns back to the car and is like, maybe I missed him. Maybe they're at the car now. Maybe they're looking for me. Like, go there and see what I can find. So after not hearing from their girls, the entire family starts showing up. Like, grandpa leaves work. Sister shows up. Grandma shows up. All of this. And they all start combing the trail. And... So the family think maybe the girls got hurt, maybe they damaged their phone, maybe they like fell down a little like hill and they just can't like get up. 
maybe that's what happened. So they're walking the wooded areas, they're walking down the hills, they're still not finding them. So Becky had called AT&T, who was the phone provider, seeing if they could maybe like ping the cell phone and be mm-hmm. like, where are my girls? AT&T said that they legally could not do this without a warrant. Really? Which to me, maybe Becky wasn't the like owner of the phone plan, but I feel like if you are the owner of the phone plan, you should be able to do that. Well, I guess maybe, you know, because anybody could call in and pretend to be that person. Yeah. And probably for safety reasons. I don't know. There's probably, there's probably a reason, but I believe, I, I, I think that too. They should have. So Becky's like, oh, well, there's a find my iPhone. So she downloads find my iPhone, but Libby didn't have that on her phone. Yeah. So just want to say. Maybe if you have someone, like, you really trust, like, to share your location. Like, I share my location with Tracy. I share well, my location have, with, Tra- with my sister. We have a GPS app on all of our phones, and that it's Live 360. It's mm-hmm. free, and you can see where someone is if if they both have, have it downloaded and given permission for that. You can see where somebody is within 30 feet. Yeah. Like, it's very, very accurate. So, I... I'm an advocate for that. If you have somebody that you, like, really trust, like your mom or your sister, best girlfriend. Somebody who knows where you're at. Somebody that can, if anything, God forbid, ever happens, has a way of finding you. So this all just kind of leads to, like, they they haven't found anything, right? So it's been over two hours, and the family uh, called the police. Becky had been trying to hold Abby's mom, who was at work, and hadn't been able to get a hold of her. So for these two hours, Abby's mom has no idea anything's going on. So, the police are able to get a hold of her. I don't know if they sent, like, an officer to her work and were like, hey, here's the situation. But now Abby's mom's made aware. So, she clearly leaves work and is out searching for the girls as well. So, police start searching the park. And by 6 p.m., there are a ton of volunteers who have shown up to help search the park. Excellent. I love that. So, Libby's sister is there and showed the police the pictures from the Snapchat story and are like, okay, so this is, we know they were here at this time. Where'd they go? So searches called off at dark, and they were told that they would resume the following morning. Tons of volunteers stayed through the night. They were, it's, like we said, it was a snow day, so it's cold out. They were like, it's dangerous to have all these people out I love that sense of community and that social responsibility. I agree. So sometime between 11 and 12 p.m. um, Tuesday, February 14th, two bodies are found. They are not immediately identified as uh, Libby and Abby, but they are found across the creek um, about a half mile away from the bridge. A man had found a shoe first and yelled to Kelsey, Libby's sister, and said, what kind of shoes are the girls wearing? And Libby says, these are the shoes that the girls had on. Um, And then it was said at that time, the man confirmed that he had found Libby's shoe. Uh, they said that they saw two deer that they were kind of watching, like a group of the volunteers were watching. And from staring at them, they then saw the bodies near the deer. So, because it was wooded, there's leaves, there's things like that. Like they hadn't seen them, but the deer caught their attention, which I just thought is kind of a weird little two deer hanging out that is what draws the attention. You're looking at me like that, but I'm trying to explain this a little like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's kind like of the like... deer sensed sensed that something was there that wasn't supposed to be there, and the deer were looking at the, the deer. Deer were standing right next to the bodies, and so the oh. volunteers were looking at the deer and then saw the girls. Oh, gotcha. But they hadn't 
I mean, we're they've been searching this all night and hadn't seen them until the deer were standing. Well, it was a snow day. I wonder if it was snowing and if it was... Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <clears throat> so, uh, the bodies are found on a private property and about 50 feet away from the shore of the creek. The next day, about 3 p.m., press conference is held, and it is revealed that the bodies were Libby and Abby. Uh, the same day, the police release a still photo from a video that is found on Libby's phone. So we kind of mentioned that at the beginning. So the girls had been walking around, and they had noticed that there was a man behind them on the bridge, and Libby started recording. Libby is pretending to record herself, but capturing the man behind her in the mm-hmm. video. Which, what a smart girl. What a smart girl. Like, senses something's off, and yeah, she, what a smart girl. So this is an older man in jeans, a navy shirt, and a hat with his hands in his pocket. And the audio, they only, the police only released a little bit of the audio, but the entire video was played for the victim's families to see if, like, they had any. They knew any, yeah, anything they knew else. them, yeah. So in the video, the girls are just talking about, like, normal teenage stuff, like boys and whatever, yeah. and normal teenage stuff. And then Libby mentions, do you see the man behind us? And in one of the shared audio footage, all you hear is the man say, down the hill. And he's ordering the girls down the hill. Oh. So because we don't have the entire video, we don't know how long, like, what the conversation was before that. All that was released is him going down the hill. And then you hear Libby say, gun. So, But she got a picture of him, which is great. She got him on video, which is yeah. excellent. What a smart freaking girl. Absolutely. And then sending it out Snapchat because, you know, now iPhones have that feature where you can delete messages. So if you got a picture or something and you sent it and he got into their phones right away, he could have deleted it. So sending it Snapchat, what a smart girl. Mm -hmm. So um, police released that audio on February 22nd and Libby has gotten so much praise from the police for making this recording. They're like... Same thing that I've been saying, like, what a smart girl. So, FBI created a description of the suspect. A white male, about 180 to 200 pounds, stands between 5'6 and 5'8 tall, and two police uh, sketches are released to the public from this. Sketches? They have a photograph. Why it's are they not taking... super, super clear of his face, though, because he's kind of walking with his hands in his pocket and his head down, so you can't see his face, like, perfectly, but you can see, like, his build and everything like that. Mm. So, the first sketch is based off of a witness statement, the guy that I mentioned at the beginning that said he had seen a guy on the, on the mm-hmm. bridge with the women, or with the girls. Um, but the second is said to be more accurate. So, the first one's, like, kind of a, like, younger, scruffy-haired-looking boy, mm-hmm. a little heavier. The next one's, like, clean-shaven. In the video, he's got, like, a little bit of scruff, but not, like, beard, like the first sketch that they released. So, this case went cold for five years. Five years? And there had been very little movement. In April of 2021, a kidnapping about 30 minutes from Delphi was believed to be kidnapped or connected to Abby and Libby's deaths. 30 minutes, the next town over, 30 minutes away, James Chadwell um, the second, had been accused of luring in a nine-year-old girl into his house and then locking her in the basement and assaulting her. The police um, said that a witness called and said, hey, we just saw Jane, like the, my neighbor just like lured this little girl into his house. Like, I know he doesn't have kids. Like, maybe come investigate that. So police arrived fairly shortly after, but she had already been assaulted, found the little girl in the basement, and arrested him. 
he got 90 years for the things that he did to the little girl that he lured in the house, but he had been a main suspect in Libby and Abby's case, but they had nothing to pin on him. Okay. But then, in November of 2022, another suspect is revealed. So, like I said, in the video, Libby mentions that he has a gun. The police, to this day, have not released, like, what their cause of death was, if they were shot, if they were, what happened, but she mentioned that that the killer had a gun. And a man... Well, she implied right. that he had a gun. Right. Yeah. So, from a probable cause affidavit for Richard Allen, who looks a lot like the guy in the video... Yeah. He, in his first interview, admitted that he was on the trail that day, and he was on the bridge that day. But he has no he has no idea about these girls. No idea. Hmm. He, there was an unspent bullet in between the girls' bodies that was found, and the bullet does tie to a gun that Richard owned. It, it is linked to it? Like, it has this fingerprint, or it's just the same caliber? Same caliber. Okay. So, so superficial. It's not, like, yeah. hard evidence. Yeah, I mean, like, if it's a 9mm or whatever, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. owns it. It was a forty caliber. Um, so, Alan voluntarily spoke to police on October 26th of 2022 and said that he does own that, own the, uh, that same gun that he has never allowed anybody to borrow it he's owned it since 2001 uh but a witness from the trail said that they did see alan walking over that same bridge that he already said yes i was at that his clothing was very muddy and that did look like there was blood on it okay so eyewitness we've all said a million times eyewitness is not super reliable it's not reliable at all yeah but on october 13th Alan told investigators what he was wearing that day was jeans and a blue Carhartt jacket and a ball cap, which is the same thing that the guy in the video was wearing. Mm -hmm. Alan's wife did confirm that he did leave the morning wearing a blue Carhartt. At the end of November 2022, Richard Allen was arrested for the murders of Libby and Abby after five years of no arrest and had been living in Delphi the entire time and lived across from the creek where where they were found. So... The police are still really tight-lipped because his trial hasn't started because this, he was just arrested. And as of February of this year, on February 17th, um, he was supposed to have a bail trial to see if he can get out on bail. And then his team asked to, popo- to postpone that, which is weird. Usually that's usually the person trying to get bail doesn't postpone their bail hearing. So that was a little weird to me. But... We're waiting for that to see when that bail hearing is going to happen. It hasn't been rescheduled. And then trials. So this is a case that's going on right on now. Right now. That from, I hope that we get an answer. I hope that they when caught did, the right guy because. When did it, when did this happen? Six years ago in February. What year? 2017. 2017. And his trial has not started yet. Oh, Wow. The police are, I think that they're still being so close mouthed because if they don't get the, if he doesn't get charged with everything, they don't want to reveal their hand on what they know. But 
Because, like, they haven't even released, like I said, how they died. Like, we don't know. The gun seems to be, like, the big thing in the eyewitness saying that he was covered in blood and mud. But we don't have... They're putting a lot of stock on that gun. So I'm wondering if maybe they were shot or something. <laughs> but also, if, they, if that was their only murder, like, the only murder weapon, he wouldn't be covered in blood leaving a scene. Well, but then, I mean... It's it's probable doubt, right? Like, when you're going to court and you're, especially jury trials, which this will be a jury trial, the state has an obligation to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Right. And with what's being released, there's a ton of reasonable doubt. I mean, if they don't have a bullet with a fingerprint on it that they can tie directly to someone saying, well, there was a forty caliber Smith & Wesson bullet laying on the ground and you have a forty caliber smith and what that doesn't mean shit right that i there's millions of people that own 40 caliber handguns right saying he was covered in blood well then why the hell didn't you call the police yeah it's been six years now if somebody walks by you covered in police or covered in blood at a minimum you're gonna go oh my god are you okay you're gonna call for help Mm -hmm. you're gonna do something why didn't you Right. You know, which which in in my head anyway, and I don't know how it's resonating with you, but in my head I'm like, yeah, right. I know. Because I mean, you the reports say that that these two little girls go missing and with 2 hours pretty much a great percentage of the community came together to try and find them. So the community was that involved in these little girls, but somebody walks by them covered in in blood and nobody's going to say, nobody's going to take pause. Right. Multiple people see him and multiple people don't call law enforcement. Yeah. You know, which kind of puts a hole in that one. So, well, here's what kind of like gets me about this. So it makes sense. Like if he lived close, he, that's a good way to get away. Right. So you've got to wait with how fast the dad and everybody was there. To commit the murders and leave the scene. If you Mm -hmm. live close. Okay, that makes sense to me. But also, this man lived and, like, was raised, lived his whole life in Delphi. And, I mean, he does look similar to the video. I mean, it's kind of grainy. It's a stale shot from the police. But he looks similar. But nobody was like, oh, hey, that looks just like Richard. That looks like my buddy Richard. Right. Like, that's kind of weird to me. I don't know. It's a hard one. There's been a lot of Especially people like that... you said, being born and raised there, which means which means that people knew him. Right. I mean, unless he was just a complete recluse, you know. But even so, I mean, you go to school, you go to the grocery store, you go... How big is Delphi, do you know? Uh, I don't know. Let me Google. Because the thing is, too... There's been, so like I said, the first guy that was connected to the one that lured the little this, girl in mm-hmm. was a sexual sexual predator. But we don't even know, like the police have been so tight-lipped on like, which I get, but also at the same time I don't because first year, maybe if you haven't figured it out, like keep things close to your chest, don't say anything. But after five years of not convicting anybody, release a little bit so maybe your community can help, you know? Yeah, especially again, like I'm I'm super impressed with the social responsibility there of everybody showing up and helping 
and even when police and and search and rescue or whomever was there I don't know who's there but whoever was there when they called off the search at night they were like yeah no our babies are out here right you know I love that I love that so it's small how small 3,000 people small okay I mean come on so that's my thing unless it was a Come on. With how involved... 3,000 people, you know who the hell is in your town. You know the people who live there. Yeah. And with how, like you said, the whole community coming out, if the police were to release a little bit more information, somebody saw something. You know what I mean? Or didn't. But, I mean, for real, 3,000 people... That's Come a on small now. town. I see somebody that I know that's covered in blood walking by me, and I specifically know them. I'm going to be going up to them being like, yo, Joe, you good? Seriously. You know, or what'd you do? Do you, are it a hunting season or, you know, something? Like, you're going to engage in conversation. I don't know. See, and this is not on topic, but, okay, so, I don't, actually, I might want to cover this someday. But there was that guy that went to... Our little cafe right down the road from you a few years ago covered in blood after killing his killing that lady. And everybody just thought it was hunting season, so they thought he had been out hunting, but he had just killed somebody. That was just like six, seven years ago. I don't remember that. Yeah, right down yonder, the little cafe next to the gas station. Walked in completely covered in blood, and everybody's like, oh, it's hunting season. Like, whatever. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, wilder things have happened. So maybe you want it. I mean, we've got a pretty small town, and everybody was just like, yeah, I mean, Joe Blow walking down the streets covered in blood, but whatever. I mean, hunting season. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the area well enough. I <laughs> I think, I think though, that I think I would at least be like, did you get something? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, would, I would ask about it. If it's if it's worthy enough to mention to law enforcement later, you would think that it would be worthy enough of a question. Yeah. Or an inquiry. Yeah. Also in addition, if they didn't know the man that was walking by them in a small community again with that social responsibility and looking out for themselves, if they saw somebody in which they did not know walking by them at a park that children frequent covered in blood as the report shows, you would be making a phone call. Yeah. I mean, that's true. That's why this one's so wild to me, because... If you know someone... You have just enough information to, like, speculate, but they're so... I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'm interested to see, like, when this trial starts, and this is one, like, we will we will for sure do an update on, if, A, they can get a conviction. B, I want to know what evidence there is. I want to know why was he arrested, because... Like I said, we don't know anything. And all these years later. Yeah. That's the thing that's like in my brain to know so little six years later. Yeah. Six years later, I hope I hope to God they've got more than a random bullet laying on the ground and eyewitness testimony. These girls. I mean, because especially eyewitness testimony immediately afterwards is not reliable. Eyewitness testimony six years later is trash. Right. Again, unless you know the person. I mean, we remember, you know, we remember events. We don't remember details of. It's always, it's interesting. I thought when I first heard, you know, like statistics and evidence about the reliability of eyewitness testimony, I was like, bullshit, I could tell you. But then we actually run a test. These tests are online 
look at a picture for 15 seconds and then take it off or whatever and do the test and answer specific questions, it will surprise you how little you recall. Yeah. It is astonishing. Or even, even sit in front of somebody and you, I know you very, very, very well. I look at your face every single day. But if I had to describe to a sketch artist how to just how to draw you, I don't know that I could. Yeah. You know, I mean, and just and and run those tests, test yourself, and see, see if we're full of crap or not. Yeah, for sure. But, I don't know. This is one I want to follow though, and once we get, like I said, because we're just talking like February this year, and it's been like I said six years since February. Like these little girls deserve justice their family deserves to not have to wonder if their killer is just walking next to them on the street yeah like this family deserves closure right not that they're ever gonna have like true closure but they deserve at least to put the story to rest and know not have to wonder yeah for sure oh interesting case well let's definitely follow this one 100 percent. and the trial will be it'll be interesting it'll be interesting Maybe they'll maybe they'll put it on TikTok like they have, you know, the Johnny Depp case or whatever, so we yeah. can watch it. Or Gwyneth Paltrow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> God, that woman irritates me. I like Gwyneth Paltrow. I, mm-hmm. She irritates me. Okay, thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Stay safe.